the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson. Here you will hear teaching that will challenge you to a deeper walk with Jesus. Whatever place you are in your understanding of God's plan for your life, you will grow closer by listening. No shame, no guilt, and no condemnation. But you will be challenged to a closer walk with God. Now here's Pastor Israel with today's teaching. Our text is taken this morning from the very first Psalm, verses 1 to 6. I'm, I'm pretty sure you're all familiar with this Psalm, but it's, it's always uh, uh, a, a good thing to, to, to read the Word of God together as a church family. Shall, shall we stand one more time? I'm sure you've been standing for a while, but uh, in honor of the Lord's Word, let's read our text together this morning. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. May the Lord truly bless the reading of His Word. You may be seated. We conclude our series on the perfect worship of our perfect God who loves us perfectly and has given us perfect grace established by our perfect faith that we might obtain perfect righteousness and experience perfect freedom, perfect peace, and consequently cause us to live a perfectly blessed life. That's a mouthful, but that's a great, great promise that God has given His people, that we can be perfectly blessed. Now remember, perfection belongs to God. And we are to understand that we live in a fallen world and that we need that perfect God in our lives. Amen? That's why we're here. If you think that you need or you have a need to feel something before you can worship God, chances are you are not engaging in perfect worship. And if you and I are not engaging in perfect worship, then we are not perfectly blessed. So that's basically the premise of this sermon this morning. You know, I've been around Christians long enough to know that, that, that we all struggle with the illusionary 
and, and fleeting sense of what a blessed life looks like. I think we all have fallen into that kind of mindset. Either because our, our, our idea or our, our understanding of what it means to live a blessed life is based on ignorance of the Word of God, or we simply are so captured and enamored by the things that are going on in our lives that we forget that this perfectly blessed life comes from our ever-perfect and living Savior. To be perfectly blessed, what I mean is that we often try to confuse the concept of blessedness with this ideal scenario in life that can only be true once we get to heaven. When we say, well, you know, I'm blessed, you know, we usually try to, to, to say to ourselves, okay, well, I have a little bit of heaven in my life here on earth, and the ideal of heaven, the ideal of eternity, seems to, uh, to be the one occupying our minds when it comes to this idea of being blessed. In other words, when I say I'm blessed, I'm saying that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like, uh, I have the, 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 the blessings of heaven. But that isn't quite true. We need to understand what it means to be blessed right here on earth. Not to have some kind of idea of what we want blessings to be that is based on what eternity looks like. Now, I'm not saying what, that we don't fix our mind in eternity. I'm simply saying there's a difference between living a blessed life here on earth and, and, and trying to, to bring what that blessed life in heaven looks like here. It's not going to work. Because we live in a fallen world. You ever wonder why you as a Christian, why I as a Christian still suffer and go through the same kinds of things that everybody else goes, goes through in this world? There's absolutely no evidence that a Christian can escape accidents. There's absolutely no evidence that Christians don't have to, to go through uh, uh, you know, uh, becoming victims of natural calamities, of disasters. There's no evidence that we're going to escape the grim realities of this world. Everybody's going to die, by the way, just a reminder. Every one of us is going to get sick. Every one of us is going to go through periods of challenges. Every one of us. There's no evidence in the Bible that, that, that we are going to have this this perfect life, this, this existence that somehow avoids all of these issues that happens here on our fallen world. But when we think about being blessed, we often associate that, associate that, that problem-free um, existence. We often connect being blessed with our future existence in heaven. And although that's true, we need to understand what it means to be blessed right here and right now, right here on earth. We need to understand what God is saying about how to be blessed in this world. You know why? Because you're not going to need any blessings in heaven. You're not going to need any praying in heaven. We're not going to need any kind of healing in heaven. We're not going to need anything in that you know, all of these things that we experience here on earth, we're not going to ever need that when we get to heaven. Heaven is that perfect place that God has prepared for everybody who trusts in Him. But we're still all here, amen? 
And if we don't understand what God has to say about how to live a blessed life here on earth, we're going to keep on having that wishful thinking mindset that, that says, well, you know, I can have what God has promised me to have in heaven right here on earth. That's not quite true. If, if God's going to give us everything that heaven allows here on earth, we will never have an appetite for heaven. We're all going to want to live forever right here on earth. So God's pretty smart about saying to us this morning in his word, no, you're going to have to learn how to be blessed or how to live a perfectly blessed life while you're walking here on earth. So that's basically the premise. And the, the passage that we just read, the book of Psalm in the Bible is part of what you call wisdom literature. Okay? There are five divisions of these Psalms. We're not going to get to that. That's for a different sermon. But this first few chapters of Psalm is relegated to wisdom. Okay? That's, that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. How to acquire the wisdom so that we can live the perfectly blessed life. Okay? Now, in these words by King David, he, has, he was in essence describing to us the stark contrast between what it means to be righteous and blessed and what it means to be wicked and cursed. So this is a very simple six verses that, that, that establishes the difference between what it means to be righteously blessed and to be wickedly cursed. There's not even a, there's not, you know, you don't have to be very, very smart or astute to see what David is trying to, to give before us, what the Word of God is trying to present to us this morning. These distinctions are laid before us so we can understand and appropriate the wisdom necessary to be blessed. So think wisdom when we're reading the verses this morning. The core of this wisdom literature, okay, I'm talking about Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs. These are designed to give us the wisdom that we need so we can live that blessed life here on earth without focusing so much on the things that happens in this world, but keeping our focus on the ultimate fulfillment of that blessed life which can happen only in heaven. These words of wisdom from David are all to be applied here on earth as they are representative of what righteousness looks like from God's perspective. So in other words, when God is looking at us right now, He's looking at our righteousness based on what our life looks like right here and right now. And it becomes an important consideration for each and every one of us to be always aware that God has provided us with everything, everything at all that we need so that we can do His will and accomplish His purpose in our life. He has not neglected any single thing, and the most important of which is wisdom. Okay? So the word blessed, here, when we use the word blessed in the context of our text this morning, we're talking about a two-prong application. There are two two-prong applications to this word being blessed. There's a personal application and a testimonial application. The personal application of the word blessed is, of course, the state of being happy. What does it mean for, the, for us to be happy, 
to live a happy life while, while we are here on earth. That's the first application of the word bless. In fact, the word bless there is the word for happy. Okay? But there's another application for the word blessed, and that is the testimonial aspect of our blessed life. And, and that is, it has to do with how other people see you and I as we live our lives. It becomes a testimony of who we are. When people look at God's people, they should envy God's people. We should be a source of Envy. Now, that's not a good word to use for other people. But nevertheless, the force of the word says, when people see you as God's people, they should want to desire what you have. They should say, oh, I want to have that life. And this becomes an important sermon. Although basic, this becomes important to all of us. Who would like to, number one, please God with the righteous life that we have. Righteousness is not sinless perfection. Let me give you a hint. Because all of us in this room still capable of transgressions. But God positionally places us to a place of righteousness through Jesus. So how does that work? How does it come across to other people? That's the testimonial aspect of this blessed life. So from the standpoint of ourselves, we need to learn how to live happy lives. Are you happy this morning? Say yes. If you're not happy this morning, it's because you're thinking that happiness is the problem-free life. All of the things that God has for, for me in heaven, He's giving it to me right now. That isn't true. That's a lie from the pit of hell. And you'll discover that this life that God has given us necessitates perfect faith in God. Necessitates. This is the perfect faith. We talked about that already. If you, if you want to listen to what that means, you know, the sermons are always available. But today we're going to talk about what it means to be perfectly blessed. It's not what we think. So from the standpoint of God's people's earthly journey, there are three indicators of a happy, blessed life. Three of them. Number one, blessed People do not seek the comfort of a godless world. That's number one. To be happy, we cannot look for comfort from the perspective of a godless world. Got to get out of that. Look at the first verse in our text. Psalm 1, verse 1. Happy or blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked... Or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. There is a descent to wickedness. There is a downward spiral to wickedness. Okay? And this describes people who do not have a relationship with God. They progressively go deeper in godlessness and wickedness. First, the person is walking in step with the wicked. You know, they see a person who does not even honor God in their life. We see the philosophy of the world and we, we, we want to go along with it. We walk along with that person. We walk along with that ideology. We say that this is good. Even though we clearly know this, we don't get our wisdom from the perspective of the world. We get it from God's word. And yet we do that. People do that. They walk with the, the, the more famous uh, trends. And Christians do that too. So it starts out by walking, getting along, looking for 
acceptance from the world, looking for some kind of truth from the world, looking for answers to problems from the world. The image is, is like the, the godless is finding their own way and people are looking for what makes the most sense for them and they follow it even though it's contrary to what God has already established in his word. From walking in step with the godless, then that person becomes more comfortable with it and he starts to stand with them. So they, well, yeah, they're just walking with the, with the person and then you stand with them. If you stand with a person, that means you're making a decision to agree with what that person is doing. How does it apply? You know, you, we see the world answering questions about the solutions to the problems in this world, all kinds of things, and we just go along with it. We say, okay, that makes sense. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go along with that. I'll stand with that person. Even though that person is godless, we tend to admire the person and what that person represents. We're not just happy walking with the godless. We want to stand with them. We want to agree with them. And of course, ultimately, we sit down with the godless. That is when we number ourselves among the wicked, among the godless people. Now that's the descent. Walking, standing, and sitting. And a lot of people, you know, in our world, the Bible calls that Godless, godless people, wicked people. You know, sometimes, you know, the word wicked and cursed, sometimes they're, they're very strong words to, to, to refer to people. But don't blame the male, man. I just delivered the male. It's God who called them wicked and cursed, not me. I'm supposed to love them. You're supposed to love them, right? To love people is to not walk, stand, and sit with them. To love them is to bring them to the knowledge of the wisdom of God's word. That's our job. That's what should make us happy in this life. That's what they should see. Walking, standing, sitting. The descent to godliness. Why do we get enticed by the world? Why do we want to fit? Why do people want to fit in the system of the world? Because we have a misplaced source of comfort. We think that we can get comfort by the things that the world has to offer. Its philosophies, its strategies, its techniques. It's difficult to love people nowadays unless you haven't recognized. Because to love people is to tell them the truth. People these days want to be accepted for who they are regardless of what God says about them and about their ways. You know, pastors in the UK and in Canada are now being arrested and being accused of being terrorists. Why? Because they decided to believe what God said about the LGBTQ community. They're automatically labeled hateful people, terrorists. They're getting arrested. It'll be a matter of time when our stand for truth will also be attacked. It's being attacked now because our lifestyle is incompatible with the world's lifestyle. It's incompatible. The Word of God makes it that, that much clearer every time you read the Bible. We are mocked as evil, incompassionate people. We're called names. And we're saying that what we represent is toxic. We're toxic people. Because we dare to stand for what God says. We dare, to st we, we dare not to walk 
with the popular opinion of the world. We dare not to stand with the popular opinion of the world. We dare not to be numbered because our source of answer, our source of comfort comes from God. It doesn't come from what the world has to say. And they, they, begin, they begin to call us hateful people. And they say that Christianity is the most hateful religion in the world. But the opposite is true. Christianity is the most compassionate religion in the world. Try to be an LGBTQ in Iran or Saudi Arabia or any of these Middle Eastern nations. Try. And yet in this day and age, you make a stand for the truth. You get labeled all kinds of things. I want to say this to the LGBTQ people, if you are one of them. I love you with all of my heart. But Jesus is Lord. Jesus is our King. Everybody is welcome in the kingdom of God. But when you enter, Jesus is Lord. You are not Lord. I am not Lord. My goal in life is to call you away from the deception of the world and bring you to the light of God's wisdom. That's your job. That's my job. There's nothing hateful about that. It's nothing but love and compassion. Believe me, I look at people the same way whether they're gay, straight, whatever you are, whoever you are, it doesn't matter. You enter the kingdom of God. God loves you so much. He doesn't want you to stay the way you are. There will be a change. That's the gospel that we preach. So Christians nowadays are cowering in fear. We're afraid to be canceled because of our stand. Amen? You know, there's a real fear. But I want to say this to you candidly, okay? I can accept that. I can accept that we don't speak the truth because we're afraid to be canceled or to be labeled or whatever. I can accept that. I go through that myself. Okay? I can accept that. At least you have a reason why you don't want to stand for truth. At least I have a reason why I'm skeptical about standing for what God's Word says. I can accept that. What I cannot accept are Christians who say, Pastor it's okay. The word of God may be true back then. It's no longer true today. Right now, the more important thing, pastor, is for you to be compassionate. That I cannot accept. We cannot accept compassion at the expense of what's true. We cannot do that. That's a hill we're all going to die on. I had a pastor, very, very prominent pastor, says, say this. If your theology is getting in the way of your ministry, then you got it wrong. Listen, I would say this. If your ministry is not based on sound theology, you got it all wrong. Doesn't matter how much love you show people. If you don't tell them the truth, they're going to perish. They're going to perish. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But why do we fall into this all kinds of these things? 
because we seek comfort from the wisdom of the world. We keep com- we, we want to seek comfort. We want to see the acceptance of everybody. We actually convince ourselves that we can win people to the kingdom of God by showing them that they can do their, their thing, whatever they want. They can compromise and somehow they can enter the kingdom of God and they, they, they all will be all uh, settled. That is in the gospel. Compassion and love, that describes God. But God reveals to us His Word. And His Word is not a set of concepts that we can toss around and believe or not believe. His Word is Jesus Christ. And what He said. We try to find comfort in the admiration of the world. We want to win so many people to the kingdom of God that we're willing to compromise what God says so that we can be okay with these people, whoever they are. This is what Paul writes to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 1.3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Only God can bring true comfort to you and I. And that comfort is based on the revelation of His wisdom in Christ Jesus. Blessed people, secondly, are people who are satisfied and content with God's Word. You've been listening to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson, a ministry of Living Rock Christian Church in Sunnyvale, California. If you have been helped by this radio program and would like to keep it on the air, Your continued prayerful and financial support is greatly appreciated. Please visit livingontherockradio.com where all your tax-deductible gifts will go directly to the radio ministry. That's livingontherockradio.com. Living Rock is a church that doesn't care how you are dressed or what candidate you voted for. A church made up of imperfect people from all walks of life with a hunger and thirst to understand God's plan for our lives. No matter what you've been through or what questions you may have about God and faith, you will find love, grace, and hope at Living Rock Christian Church, 675 East Taylor Avenue in Sunnyvale, with Sunday worship starting at 10.30 a.m. More information at livingontherockradio.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.